The Bible reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you on this, the third Sunday of Advent. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll have begun each day for the last couple of weeks with a chocolate from a chocolate Advent calendar. At no other time of the year is eating a whole chocolate for breakfast acceptable for an entire month, with the exception, of course, of the odd portion of chocolate spread or pastries containing chocolate. But in the run-up to Christmas, someone somewhere said that it was fine, and so I'm down with that. As well as being delicious, it's a really helpful countdown for me. A countdown which reaches its end point on Christmas Day, of course, when we celebrate the birth of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, speaking of starting your day well, I wonder how you begin your Christmas morning. It's not far off now, is it? When I was a child, my mum wouldn't let me, my brothers and my sister open any presents on Christmas morning until we had got dressed and cleaned our teeth. Oral hygiene was clearly very important to her when opening presents on Christmas morning. We've all got our own fun, quirky and joyful traditions to celebrate Christmas, haven't we? Sometimes handed down over many generations. We may not even know where on earth they started, but we do them anyway, as they remind us of family, of joy and of time spent together. Something many of us could particularly do with after all that 2020 has brought. Well, around the world, you probably won't be surprised to know that Christmas begins in a whole variety of unique and special ways. For example, did you know that in Iceland, Icelandic children place their shoes by the window on Christmas Eve, before heading up to bed? 
In the morning, they'll either have received some sweets if they've been good, or be greeted with shoes full of rotten potatoes if they've not been so good. Gross. And you thought a lump of coal was a terrible gift. Over in Finland, Finnish families traditionally wake up to porridge made of rice and milk and topped with cinnamon, milk or butter. Whoever finds the almond placed inside one of the puddings wins. I'm not sure what they win apart from the almond, but they do. Invariably, some families hide more than one almond, which I totally get, because who on earth wants to start Christmas morning with screaming children? And in the Ukraine, Christmas Day is observed on January the 7th, and a dish called kutya, made from cooked wheat with honey, ground poppy seeds and occasionally nuts, is a popular treat. Apparently, some families throw a spoonful of it at the ceiling, and if it sticks, it means there'll be a good harvest in the new year. Maybe don't try that at home with the children or grandchildren, unless you want to risk a full-blown Christmas food fight. How do you begin Christmas? However you begin celebrating and reflecting on what Christmas truly means, why not use this morning as an opportunity to take a bit of a Christmas spiritual health check, so to speak? How does the way you celebrate Christmas nourish your soul for the year ahead? How do you find fresh significance in the most momentous and transformational birth in history, the birth of Jesus Christ? We're going to look at our verses from Luke 1 by thinking about God's favour God's hope and God's choice. So, first of all, let's look at God's favour. Verse 28 tells us that Mary is greeted by the angel Gabriel with the words, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. The Greek is alliterative, which certainly would catch any reader's attention, and literally translates as grace to you, graced one. No wonder it prompts Mary to seriously ponder what this greeting might really mean. And I wonder too, if anyone had ever spoken to her like that, calling out her value and significance in such an arresting way. Mary was young, poor and female, all the characteristics that to the people of her day would make her utterly unusable to God for any major task. But God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience he has ever demanded of anyone. God's favour was on Mary in abundance. But what about God's favour on you? Is that something you give much thought to? Gabriel tells Mary not to be afraid, so she no doubt was, otherwise he wouldn't have said it. It's totally normal to ask, but how God? How is this going to happen as Mary did? How can you use me? There are many other examples in the Bible of people who said the same. Take Moses and Gideon for starters. So you're in good company if you feel that your ability, experience, education or past mistakes make you one of the most, if not the most, unlikely candidate for God's service. But you know, God can and will use you if you trust in him. The truth is that in God's infinite wisdom, he chooses to use each one of us to bring about his purposes, despite all our faults and failings and our own feelings of inadequacy. 
He's designed each one of us for specific tasks. I suppose too that we can imagine that favour often or mostly equals a smooth ride. But Mary, the mother of the Messiah, would endure much pain in that her contemporaries would shun her, her fiancé would come close to leaving her, and her son would be rejected and murdered. But God had a plan. Through her son Jesus would come the world's only hope, the one whose kingdom will have no end. The evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said, if you want to grow in God's grace, get hungry to be fed by it, thirsty to cry out for it, and broken so you can't live without it. I don't know about you, but I want to actively grow in God's grace and seek God's favour, as his is the only favour that really matters. There's often a cost that comes with that though. It's not going to be plain sailing, but it's a cost that is surely worth bearing. You know, God designed you and me to make a difference with our lives. We were created to add to life on earth and serve God in the process. And God wants to work through you. The American church leader and author Rick Warren says, what matters most is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. Not how long you lived, but how you lived. Mary's submission was part of God's plan to bring about our salvation. Her faith, her patience and humble questioning are a perfect example, but also a great encouragement to us to seek God's favour and trust in him as we do so. So we've looked at God's favour. Now let's look at God's hope. I heard a story about a man who one night over dinner fascinated his guests by telling them of his experiences in a little town named Flagstaff in the United States of America. The town was to be flooded as part of a large lake for which a dam was being built. In the months before it was to be flooded, all improvements and repairs across the town were stopped. Why repair anything when the whole area was to be wiped out? So week by week, the town became more and more bedraggled, more gone to seed and more neglected. And then he added by way of explanation, where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. We can believe the lie, can't we, that we can have most, if not all that we need to be happy if we just upgrade to the latest iPhone, watch that Netflix series that everyone's talking about, drive a particular car or simply do what we feel is the right thing to do because it's all about us right here, right now. Maybe we can buy or manufacture or create all that we need ourselves. Or maybe we don't have all we need and we can't find it within ourselves. It's in fact in someone else. Someone in whom we can place complete hope and trust and someone in whom we find power and strength for our present circumstances. Back in May this year, the charity Tear Fund found that one in 20 adults had started to pray during lockdown, despite not praying before. It's in times of pain and difficulty that we recognise we really don't have all the answers and we can't be our own saviours. God's hope, our hope, is in Jesus, who lives in each one of us by his Holy Spirit. And we are part of building and rebuilding the hope of this nation and our world as his church. We're carriers of the message that rings out loud and clear in verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. 
God accomplishes the miraculous and wondrous birth of his son Jesus through Mary, a poor and seemingly unremarkable woman, but a woman marked out, created and chosen by God to carry his son into a world that has been awaiting his arrival for a very long time. The son who would reign throughout eternity, who offers forgiveness and life in all its fullness to all who accept him. The son who meets our every need and is our hope right now and for the future. Place your hope in Jesus once again this Advent so that we might all declare for nothing is impossible with God, with more confidence and boldness than ever before. So we've thought about God's favour, God's hope, and finally now, God's choice. Mary's response to Gabriel's announcement that the Holy Spirit would be upon her, that she would give birth to the Son of God, and that even her relative Elizabeth, who had entered old age and was unable to have children, was going to have a baby, was to declare that I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She didn't yet know what Joseph's response would be. She couldn't have known all that was ahead, and yet she willingly obeyed. Matthew chapter 1 tells us of Gabriel's visit to Joseph, who also willingly obeyed God's instructions and married Mary, rather than breaking up their relationship, as would have been the norm under the circumstances. God's favour upon, his hope in, and his choosing of Mary and Joseph show us that God honours integrity. He isn't bothered in the slightest by social position, education or wealth, and it shows us that our faith in and our obedience to him, regardless of how we might feel, lead to ever closer connection and relationship with God. What's God asking of you in this season? And what would you like to ask of him in response? God's favour was on Mary, but it's also upon you. It doesn't always mean instant success, fame or freedom from all hardship, but God wants to pour out his favour, his love and his grace for you. God's hope for humanity was placed in the person of Jesus and it's there for you. God chose Mary and Joseph to be at the centre of his plan for the salvation of us all and today God chooses you to deliver the message of hope of a life with no end and a relationship with the creator of the universe who loves you beyond measure. He's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the reason for the season, the hope of the world, now at Christmas and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>